What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to uh, another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Paul Urich. He joined us via Skype from his studio in San Francisco. We talked Tupac, skateboarding, hometowns, figuring it out, burning out, tattoos, uh, spandex. Had to read that one twice to make sure that I wrote that down properly. We do. We talk spandex. Uh, terriers, tripping, Cuban soup, and letting the universe know what the fuck is up. So, as always, make sure you go check out MacMaxwellArt.com. Click on the podcast. You can see all the uh, guests who have been on the show. You can donate to the show if you are interested in something like that. Uh, show is always free, and it will always be free. Um, if you want to help support, you can buy a t-shirt. Uh, MacMaxwellArt.com. Click on the store. You can get all, or maybe it's shop. I think it's shop. Click on the shop and uh, go to my Big Cartel page and buy the free podcast shirt. I'm picking up the Marcelo Macedo shirts. They're supposed to be ready today. I'm picking those up tomorrow. Um, or you could just donate 5, 10, 20, 50, 100,000 bucks. Whatever you want to do. Whatever feels good for you. Um, we always appreciate it. Uh, it goes to buying producer Lex and I pho lunches after grueling recording sessions so go do that you can click on the paypal link over there on the podcast page and uh, it'll take you to where you just drop some dough via credit card so do that uh if you'd like and if you'd also like you should follow producer lex on facebook at producer lex on twitter follow me at mike maxwell art on twitter and facebook and instagrams uh, and follow Paul Urich. He's on Facebook and he's uh, Nowhere's. No, it's uh, Nowhereville SF. Nowhere'sville. I'll post that on um, on the Facebook page to follow the Live Free Podcast at Live Free Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. So um, let's just jump right into this thing. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Paul Urich. Producer Lex, we're back. Another episode of the Live Free Podcast. What's, uh, what's up yep. going on with you? Uh, nothing much. Just Same. had a, an outing last or this weekend. Pretty, yeah. Pretty eventful. Yeah. Well, um, oh, well, it was nothing like out of the ordinary. Like we went to this uh, strip mall or whatever out by an Encinitas. Uh, I thought Club it. was coming in there no, for no, a second. No, 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 I thought no. it was Strip Club. No, it wasn't Strip Club. I would story tell you about that a, too. Story took a, a, a why. <laughs> no, so I needed to go to the restroom, right? And uh, restroom's upstairs. So I walk up there and there's this dude like slouching in a, in a chair, kind of like looking at his phone, but not really looking at his phone. Like he's trying to capture an image. Yeah, you can lie about it. <laughs> yeah, you can always spot those people. Yeah, out. so he was just sitting there, like trying to not be noticeable. And I'm like, well, that's fucking weird. So then I go to the go to the bathroom, come back out, and then I notice he's still doing it. And so when I look over, I see this yoga studio, and there's women grabbing ankles and shit. So this oh, dude, this creeper, dang. was like sitting there with his cell phone, like video capturing whatever yeah. was going on in the yoga studio. Dang, I was just downtown yesterday. <laughs> the same sort of thing happened. <laughs> There, w- I was. Uh, I went. I was interviewed by the Union Tribune yeah, yesterday. Yeah. A guy, a writer, he's working on a story about public art in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And so, we did an on-camera video interview down at the um, big ass mural I did down by um, the stadium. Yeah, and I was leaving, and that area is sort of, I guess it's a, uh, it's kind of rough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like yeah. Uh, a lot of, and I talked about this in the interview. How a lot of the people from the East Village in the '90s got pushed down into that sort of part of, of downtown and into the edges of Barrio Logan and that sort of that little area right there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm leaving. I drive uh, just up two blocks, and I'm at the stop uh, stop sign. And this chick and her boyfriend come walking across the street. Homegirl's skirt, like her vagina was so close to being outside of her skirt. <laughs> and she had these boots on that went up like halfway up her thighs. Oh, nice. So there was like a little, she was like a Napoleon ice cream, Neapolitan, Neapolitan ice, cream. ice cream. Yeah. You know, like it was Black. like a chunk of skin, boots, and then this little tiny skirt. Yeah, yeah. In an area that's like rough, you know? And I look over, and there's the same thing. Dude on the corner with his cell phone, like, low, like, taking a photo. of Because 
from a certain angle, her her vagina could have easily been out oh, or her ass cheeks. So that's what happens. I don't get Dudes it. Dudes are creepers sometimes, yeah. and they want to they want to re. Well, see, I go can, back I can over give the argument creepers. that she was asking for it by dressing that way. Like everyone has cell phones. I'm being really male opportunistic here. Like right. Like, you know, Captain Save Males, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, if I was walking around with my dick hanging out, somebody might take a photo of it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm putting it in the public realm, yeah. so there's... It wasn't we, like... We don't have that privacy anymore. Yeah. It wasn't like he was standing in front of a yoga... St- or sitting in front of a yoga studio trying to be nonchalant recording. I hear what you're saying. You know? Okay. <laughs> that guy's off the hook. But creeper at the yoga studio. Yeah. Okay. No, but I, I don't get it, man. Why would girls dress like that? Oh, I guess if they want to feel good about it. I don't know. There, yeah, there must have been some... I I don't know. She had a big, tough guy dude with her, too. So, I guess if it's the part. I guess she felt safe. But if she was by herself in that neighborhood... It's, but that, it shouldn't be a risk. Like, we've talked about this before, yeah? Like, mm-hmm. she should be able to cruise in... Her vagina was covered from, my, from my angle. So... If yeah. you would have fell, you probably would have saw something, right? Yes. And she that was the funny thing. <laughs> and you know what really caught my eye? Because it was out of like my peripheral vision, kind of. And what caught my eye was that she stumbled walking into the street. Because she was oh, wearing these big-ass boots up to her thighs that she couldn't really walk very well in. And I just, I wasn't, I didn't even catch her. But it was like, I seen like a, like a movement in the corner of my eye. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I was like... Holy shit, this girl is fucking barely going to get across the street with her vagina almost hanging out. So, but she did fine. Uh, but she she looked, got across the yeah, street. You she know, she great probably struggling in the walk. She got on with her business. It's yeah. no big deal. Hey, do you, uh, we're coming up on um, the end of the year. Are you a uh, New Year's resolution type of guy? Um, no, I'm not a, I don't give a list. I'm just like, I give one main goal. Like, whatever you say, like, I don't know, even know if I even call it. But I plan like now. I was like, okay, this is what you're gonna work on, mm-hmm. and it's something attainable, something that's. But it's not like I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna stop yeah. eating dairy. I'm gonna no. It's like, all right. Well, you, I I did that, but I go to the gym anyway. But yeah. I, I uh, oh, you did a resolution well, thing. Not necessarily. Like I've been thinking about it. It's like okay, coming up to the end of the year, what are some like goals for 2014? Like I started mm-hmm. setting some goals. Yeah. Uh. And this week, I just kicked high fructose corn syrup. I'm not putting the high fructose oh, okay. into the body. It's not going good so Dude, far. Dude, that sucks, man. I ate sushi yesterday, and they gave me the little hard strawberry candy that they always give you at <sighs> yeah, the Japanese yeah. restaurant. And I ate that shit. So I didn't really do it. But So today's day two of really no soda, no sweets. And no snacks. You know, you know how I get around that. You know how we talked about how much I love snacks. Yeah, you know how I get around with the no fructose corn syrup. I have that soda stream where you make your own soda, and I buy the sugar cane soda mix. Yeah, the pure pure cane sugar. Yeah, but I still like. I see a Coke and I'm like, God damn. I know. I'm gonna have a cheat day, so not (laughs) not to worry. So we got Paul Urich on the show today. Um, he and I. I've known him for a long time. Uh, but I haven't seen him in, in quite a few years, so it's going to be good to talk to him. We tried, actually, he was supposed to be on the show before, and Skype took a shit on us, and we couldn't get it to work. He was, oh, okay. I think he was in his um, his tattoo shop, so I think we'll be able to get this shit together as all our stuff's been updated since yep. then. All right, so let's, uh, let's give Paul a call. There's a little delay there. Paul Urich. What's up, Mike? What's up, buddy? How are you? Good, man. It's good to see you. It's um, it's been a long time. I I guess I I was just explaining to Lex that we've known each other a long time, but I feel like I haven't seen you in a minute. Those are some sweet abs in the back. Are those Tupac abs in the background? Oh yeah. I know nobody could see this, but it, <laughs> in the background there's a, a cool photo. It's it's Tupac with his dick almost hanging out. Yeah, my wife bought that. She didn't even know it was Tupac. She just thought he had a nice abs. Look at that. What does that say about me that I knew from... Uh, and this is from a distance. Yeah, his, you couldn't see his face in the in the photo. And I couldn't see the thug life. What's up? I couldn't even see his tattoos from here. <laughs> There's yeah, he's got about good the, abs, man. Or yeah. had good abs. <laughs> There's something about that picture that's like really iconic. Of, of Tupac abs? Yeah. Like, isn't he holding up his tank top and showing the thug life in that picture? No, it's a different one. 
No, in that one, he's just sagging his pants and looking pretty thugged out. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you and I met, I guess, so, at some point, early 2000s, maybe? I would say so, yeah. Around there. Um, I think I, I became familiar with your work like around the early fecal face days. Right. I, I think that's fair to say. Um, you're in San Francisco now, but you did you grew up uh, in what in one of the Carolinas, am I right? North Carolina? South Carolina. Ah, South Carolina. Close. I was almost there. I knew it was one of the Carolinas. What was uh your early life like? Did uh how long did you stay out in obviously your childhood? Did you stay out in your teenage years and spend most of your time out there before you moved uh, to the Yeah, I, the day I graduated high school though I left and I moved to Orange County and uh yeah, I got overwhelmed and then moved to Florida for a while. What was overwhelming about culture shock, man? Like I moved to Costa Mesa straight out of South Carolina. And yeah. uh I mean, you know, <laughs> it's I was from backwoods to like blinged out Lexuses and real life housewives. Yeah, it was, it, yeah, it's a strange fucking transition for sure. Yeah. So were were you creative as a young person? Yeah, I would say so. I was always doodling and drawing and stuff. And what then a, skateboarding, so I think it all feeds each other. I know. This is the, the common theme, how like skateboarding binds a bunch of creative industries, like different multifaceted things together to to create like a larger community that's even beyond the actual sport of skateboarding. Right. Like it's weird. I I, I bring it up to a lot of people, like the connection between the the graphic nature of the sport and the sort of like the music and things that revolve around it as well right. have i know for me I, and i just projected on everybody else but it seems so influential in terms of like what we see through people who are making things through the 90s and 2000s like graphically how important some of those early images were for creative types for sure. I mean, my story's no different than anybody else's. We're all the same with that stuff. Yeah, it's so strange. Yeah. You you choose to, to bounce right after high school. Did you know you were like, I got to get the fuck out of here? Oh, yeah, I was out. Like, I'm telling you, like, the day, like, when school let out, I packed up my car and drove out west. Whoa. Like, that day. No graduation of nothing. I was out. So what prompts that? So, like, somebody like me, like, I'm born and raised in San Diego. Right. And I feel like, even though like I talk shit on it all the time, and I want to get the fuck out of here a lot. Yeah, there's something that kind of holds me here, and I, it's a, a sort of like a love hate relationship. Right. I'm always interested to hear from people like, <clears throat> so like my mom and dad both bounced Pittsburgh to move to San Diego, like same thing, like right out of high school, just got the fuck out of there. So right. like I'm, I I wonder. For people, since I haven't experienced it myself, like what is it? What is that drive? What is the sort of backfire that that leads to that? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I get it. Um, I would say I was like South Carolina standards. I was a super weirdo, right? <laughs> <laughs> and like there was like one other kid in my high school that even rode a skateboard, and it was just it was torture. And uh, maybe the quick breakdown is like this. So. My family's all super tight, big Southern family, like spend every weekend together and stuff. They're all still in the same town, except for me and my cousin. I was a weird, arty kid, and she was gay, and we got the fuck out as quick as we could. <laughs> so is that sort of, is there like a level of uh, like, like being judged or, you know, for mistreated sure. on some level? Yeah, you just always feel like the outsider, you know, yeah. which is good and bad. <laughs> yeah. It, and, you know... Speaking from my own experience, we sort of set ourselves up for those things sometimes, right? Like, I mean, I still am. <laughs> it's what I was just thinking. I just took a photo, like me and uh, my dudes were doing jujitsu this past week, right. and we took a photo at, on like the wall thing to post on Facebook and the Instagrams and shit. And everybody does the shaka. I don't uh -huh. know what it is with jujitsu and uh, the shaka. Bro, I don't know. I never. But they everybody always throws it up when they do like the group photo. And I'm the one on the side with just like a normal thumbs up, just because right. I don't do it. Like it's not, it, it doesn't feel comfortable with my hand. <laughs> You're always rebelling, Mike. <laughs> and, you know, right? So like a part of it is like we set ourselves up to be the the black sheep 
And then yeah. we're kind of pissed that we're the black sheep when it, <laughs> when the tides turn. And I, I've been talking about this a lot lately, too. Is like It's not easy to stand up and be that person that sees the world a little bit differently and is openly able to express it or at least acknowledge it and let the rest of society kind of know you feel that way. Like, <laughs> right. There, it, you have to be brave, and then you've got to also be able to take the ass weapons that come. <laughs> maybe not, you know, the real physical ass weapons but maybe right. mental or whatever well i think these days i'm more comfortable and i've settled into like enjoying being i consider myself an outsider in most of the things i like you know and i'm into it this is something i've been going through as well so like always being an outsider do you ever feel the need to be an insider does it does the want ever show up uh, well yeah we're humans right i know right a certain level of acceptance <laughs> And it's so weird. Like I've been thinking about this idea of how sometimes we want the people who don't like us to like us more than, and then we don't even really care about the people that actually like us sometimes. Right. And I use that sort of in a rough, you know, open-ended sort of idea. But like, sure. I, it's it's. I don't know if it's just from people who are in like a creative avenue or like entertainment. I feel like people are like that in like the entertainment industry. Sure. Um, what the fuck is that? Is that like a, a fucked up shit from our childhood? Is it just that we all fucking want attention on some level? <laughs> it's all those things. We're all trying to figure it all out, man. Has anyone? I don't, I don't know. know. Has anyone done it? Has anyone figured it out? I I, would, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, that's. It's funny, and then we sort of try to think that like, okay, somebody's got it figured out. Like somebody looks like they have their shit together, and they don't. Everybody's silently tripping out at all times. <laughs> yeah, that's good to know. I want everybody to know that because you forget about it when you're in your own stupid head. So um, I think when we first really got, I, I feel like I got to know you when I when I curated the show with uh, you and Mr. Chris Duncan. Yeah, we which, came down and stayed with you. That was good times. Yeah, man. I, that was like the beginning of sort of figuring out the art world. <laughs> On some level, from like a gallery standpoint, that place is gone now. San Diego art is so difficult to to make a living at, like so to, SF. in selling. Yeah, well, there's a lot of changes happening in San Francisco. It seems yeah. like a lot of galleries leaving, a lot of people moving to Los Angeles. Yeah, the art world here is not very exciting these days. That's a shame to hear because it, <clears throat> I mean, you in particular, like there was a, a movement at a time that I think was really influential to me. Um, maybe we could talk about your art a little bit. I, I sure. think when I first started, you know, one of the things that stood out when I first saw your stuff was um, the ability to paint really small and fine line stuff. Like it, I, I feel I, and I was, I never really thought about it, but now looking back, I, I saw like a lot of your work as like a challenge to, <laughs> to like, to be better as uh -huh. as like a craftsman you know and so maybe we could talk about some of the early stuff i you were um mostly a painter i mean you've moved on to a lot of different mediums now i would say for the most part i knew you as a painter is that is that fair I to would, say yeah that's fair to say i would agree and so what was some of the stuff that you were making but let's say like in the early 2000s i know there was a lot of like figurative work, which still shows up now, um, like mm -hmm. portraiture and things. Every once in a while, like yeah, in the beginning, it was definitely figurative, like a lot of portraits and like really small, detailed paintings of family members uh -huh. and skulls. Like always, the death thing's always been in there. Right. I think I, I have a skull piece. I me. see one on your wall right yeah, now. Yeah. Can you see him back there? Yeah, awesome. Yeah. That stokes me out. <laughs> yeah, I love those two pieces. And I think there, there's a like a bird sitting in a skull top, like a skull piece. And uh -huh. I think that was one of those pieces like that it has always been on my wall. Like I have a, a pretty large collection that is sort of rotated, but it, that one in particular with the bird head coming out of the skull, there's these really fine lines that I've always been like, okay, like there's a standard, like set that okay if if this has been done. I can I can make finer cleaner lines with a paintbrush, you know. <laughs> Thanks for the compliment. Mike. Yeah, and that that was a long time ago, and now I I think after maybe like ten years now, something you know something like that. I think I yeah. finally figured out how to um, 
make clean fine lines. It's I only taking a decade. Down. <laughs> I've been looking. You know what's up. Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> so um, you've sort of transitioned, though, I think. Um, there was a point, like like I said, that I knew you as a painter, and you, you sort of transitioned into some other mediums. Was there anything that sort of prompted that? I mean... Uh, you're you're still always doing artwork, but I see you you transitioned into the tattoo world. Um, right. You do a lot of uh, motorcycle and and mountain bike race, like extreme I'm re- shit. Yeah, I'm retired from motorcycles, but I guess really, uh, yeah. You but hurt I yourself? just I burn out on things. Like I go hot and heavy, and then I burn out, and yeah. then I'm moving on to the next thing. You know. Where do you think that that comes from? Is it like getting? Do you get bored? Is that what it is? I, th- I think I get bored. Like you reach a certain point and you're like, okay, you know, I got this this kind of figured out. And then you move on to the next thing. And then like what's happening with me artistically right now is like I'm kind of, I'm mixing up what we were talking about, the art I was making in the early to mid 2000s and combining it with uh, what I learned in the tattoo world. And it's like a really fun mixture that's happened. I don't know where it's going, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's weird how it does that. I, I I sort of experienced a similar thing in that like right right when I was getting into doing art full time, I had did I did a full tattoo apprenticeship. Right. And I still utilize what I learned in that year, even though I didn't end up being a tattoo artist. Like I was right. like, fuck this shit. I want to be a painter. <laughs> I don't want to sit in this fucking shop and listen to this Good bullshit choice. every day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, like it's fucking hard to live as a painter. Like, yeah, it's a struggle, man. And I think I'm not saying that it's not a struggle to live as, a, as anything, really. But it seems like it's weird how people are more apt to pay a few hundred dollars for tattoos Right. before they'll pay a few hundred dollars for a painting like because it's yeah, on it's them and it's a totally different thing but it's i kind of look at tattoos as like my i have a collection like i don't even really look at them as a part of a part of me is that weird i mean you're heavily tattooed do you i don't know i don't yeah i think i look at it as a collection too i don't even think about it most of the time yeah you know? i think you've been pretty heavily tattooed since i've known you so when did you start getting tattooed um, I got my first one when I was 14, like with a skateboard friend. And I was just always attracted to him because my grandfather was heavily tattooed. And I think it was a way to, to relate to him, you know? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, my, my grandfather had, uh, I think he had the typical sailor tattoos. He had the, yeah, uh, mine too. the sparrows, right. something on the forearm that was blurry and unrecognizable. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, I never connected my interest in tattoos with... Uh, with him though, I never really mm-hmm. thought about it. But maybe that because he was always kind of pretty proud of them. Yeah. But I don't know if I ever connected it. I just straight up copied some of my grandfather's tattoos. Like my arms are co- covered in the same stuff he had. That's rad. And, it, have- and I think it was like a way of relating to him and rebelling against my dad because you know it kind of skips a generation. My dad fucking hated tats. Uh, my grandfather loved them, so it was like a way to say fuck you to dad too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So, are you still getting tattooed? Because getting tattooed sucks so fucking bad. I'm getting tattooed on Saturday. I just get small ones now because I can't commit to big ones. I know. (laughs) I really want to do a big back piece, but there's I can't imagine a time in the rest of my life that I want to sit for more than three hours. Yeah, at most. At most, three hours is too long. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. I'm. I'm going up to see Mike Giant uh, this Saturday. Are we going to record a podcast, Lex? I still haven't heard back from my All family right. yet. So I'm going to go up there and get my arm filled in because he's back tattooing again. Yeah. Nice. Um, so so when did tattooing start for you in, in using the machine? And did you do the full apprenticeship, the whole? Uh, yeah, I did in 2008. I did like the full apprenticeship and worked how, in a shop, the scrub toilets, that whole deal. How was the apprenticeship? experience for you i loved it it was with like guy that became one of my best friends so like i had a i romanced it before it even happened so once it happened i was like living a dream man yeah that's good that's i guess that's probably the best way to go about it right totally mine was brutal i hated every second of it (laughs) so i think i'm one of the lucky ones where i really had a good time yeah it seems like it's like uh it's like bad parenting it like goes in (laughs) in order and you 
like if one person has a bad apprenticeship, then they're putting all that pain <laughs> that they had onto the next person totally, man. and onto the next person. I kind of see that in jujitsu too. Like right. if somebody starts, like it's really their ass kicked for the first year. They're like, "Fuck it, I'm kicking everybody's ass." <laughs> every so how has how has tattooing been for you? I mean, I feel like it's one of the most difficult art forms that exists. Um, from what I've tried, that's gnarly. As soon as I, whenever I think I have it totally figured out, like I don't. Yeah, <laughs> that's just how it works, man. It's fucking difficult. Like I, I explained it to somebody recently, like. If if trying to draw, let's say you're drawing on a on a piece of paper that's on a table, there's a stopping point. You have, you see the stopping point, you know it. But when you're tattooing, it's like you're drawing in air, and you have to stay in the same point where you would be drawing on the paper on a desk. Like it has to stay <laughs> at the same spot all the time. And that, in my world, that's virtually impossible. Knowing my hand, like, right. I use a brush so that it, it takes care of all my wobbles and all my weebles and <laughs> right. all my fucking bullshit. So it, how is that for you? Like, it, it seems like for some people it, who maybe are people who are good drawers seem to be able to transition really well. And I feel like I'm kind of like a sloppy drawer, so it didn't transition that well into tattooing. I tattooed <laughs> myself. I tattooed a bunch of people, too. but Right. They're no good. Yeah, I don't. I think I'm just now starting to figure out like where I'm at. And for the longest time, like I learned doing traditional tattoos, and then over the past year, I've gotten really into the the fine line black and gray, and it makes it just seems like it just makes sense to me. That's a, like the old style stuff, but used with applied with more uh, modern techniques, maybe. Yeah, you know, a mixture. It's it's been really fun. It's I got all black and gray tattoos on my arms. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's the way to go, I think. Yeah, yeah I think it like goes black. with all your clothes, man. I know. <laughs> no, I think I'm in I'm in brown today, but most of the time. So, do you ever feel like when you're doing these different things, why why did you uh, you said you got out of motorcycle racing? Yeah. You were pretty you, you you overdid it or you hurt yourself? No, I got to the point where I didn't get, I mean, I got hurt many times, but uh, I just listened to my gut this past year. My gut told me to stop, and uh, I just listened to the inner voice and walked away from it. So, is it, are, you, are those things that you're okay with? Is it hard for you to do that? Be, like, or do you feel like you've, run, you, you've ran it through its course? Like you, you know? I ran it through its course, but it was definitely hard in the beginning to walk away. But I was fortunate that I discovered cycling and, and racing bicycles. So, I had something to put that competitive spirit into, so it's you know it's not that different. It's still two wheels. You still have to prep for it. It's just now my motors, my my lungs, and my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good, man. And where are where are you racing at? Up up north? You come down yeah, here? Yeah, the whole like just the Bay Area mainly. Yeah. Yeah, I had big... I had some buddies that were really into it, and one one friend of mine who was really really good, but he kept getting hurt, and his wife made him stop. Yeah. Um, do you do some of like the downhill courses, like the? No, no downhill stuff. I'm that that danger zone's gone. I'm just doing yeah. like cross country mountain bike racing and a little bit of the cycle cross. And is it like endurance type of shit? Exactly. Dang, your ass gets sore. Like uh, yes. I, sure. I take a ride for one mile, and seriously, I don't know what's up with my seat or what's up with my ass. And I got ass cheeks too. There's room, <laughs> but it fucking kills me. Like I have to sit sideways for like a week. Yeah, after, I, like, well, I transferred over. I just said fuck it and went all to the, the lycra. That makes a huge difference. Th- is <laughs> that why everybody? Is that why bicycle guys wear yeah. the spandex because yeah. of the ass on Gotta the seat? Got to save your rump roast, man. Man, Jeez, I used to always right. think people were like douchebags when they. <laughs> There's a reason for that. I it, thought the same thing. It's, and it's not aerodynamics, huh? It's just... Uh, uh, you know, not really. Not in what I'm doing. It's more comfort. But yeah, I told, I don't think it looks cool. But as soon as I tried it, I was like, all right, I'm sold. Yeah, if it makes sense, it's not a fashion show. Yeah, I mean, the first race I did, I wore cut-off jeans and a, and a skateboard helmet. <laughs> so rad. Yeah, like, never again, dude. The constant black Whoa, sheep, huh? Man. <laughs> yeah, torture. Fuck, so... What kind of like is is it was is it intense training? Are you do you have to ride every day to be able to to do this? Yeah, things? I ride six days a week, like pretty much between twenty and thirty miles a day, 
So damn, wow, it's, it's a lot. Uh, do you have any interest in doing like Iron Man style stuff? No, I'm just super into this cross country mountain bike racing. Damn, I haven't even I didn't even realize it was a thing. To be honest with you, yeah, very fun. Is it? And everybody's my age. Like the, all the really fast guys are in their 30s. You hmm. know, they're early to late 30s. So I actually fit in in motorcycle racing. I was definitely an old man there towards the end. Yeah, I guess you can't really. Well, is it like young, like 18, 20? Motorcycles? Yeah. Yeah. That shit is so gnarly. Watching those guys, you guys get fucking sideways, like all the way down to like knee touching the ground. It's burly, man. I had, uh, we just, we lost a couple guys this year. We had a guy get paralyzed. Like Ugh. just, it's, you're just always on that brutal ragged edge. It just, I, I reached the end. No more for me. Does it become about that? Like pushing the envelope to as far to the edge as you can? If you want to win, you're going to be on that jagged edge of crashing and going really fast. There's, you know, win it or bin it basically. And if, in that sport but you know what i mean is it more about that thrill of the rush in the moment or is it about winning because it seems like maybe those are two different things no it's both but that like so you know most of the races are 20 minutes long for 20 minutes you are in the craziest zen moment that i've ever experienced and plus mixed with the adrenaline it's hard to hard to walk away from that i can imagine like i just yesterday i live um on a, in an area where there's uh, two parallel main roads and there's a, a road that intersects them that's like a canyon, windy road. Just right. a, a real shallow canyon. But it's two, two steep hills that meet at like an apex at the bottom. And this motorcycle guy came up behind me yesterday flying. I was doing like 50 and he passed me in such a way that it seemed like he had trails on him. It was like... Right. And... He went down to the bottom of the apex of this turn so fucking fast that, like, I could see the way that my eyes were reacting to his movement had to have been quadrupled in terms of what his eyes looked like moving right. at that speed. I can't even imagine what that does to the brain Yeah, moving that fast outside. It's wild, man. You're tuned in. I mean, it's got to be similar to what you're doing with the... Uh with the training and fighting and stuff these days, you're just in that moment, man. And like when a guy comes at you, you just react like that, right? It's the same deal. Yeah. It's got to take a while though, no, to get those movements and yeah, dude, nothing's free. You know, you got to earn it. It's a, that's high risk. I I always think about that shit. Like, I I don't know. I was, I think I was watching, I might've been watching the X-Files movie, right? (laughs) (laughs) but they were doing some crazy like brain surgery. And I was thinking about like the first time, somebody does something like super hectic right like like what type of experience those people are having yeah like like that dude that went up into the like upper atmosphere in that red bull thing (laughs) and jumped out of the thing like as i guess he was like he was the second person that did that there was that guy who did that in the 60s or whatever imagine that fucking guy takes a fucking balloon (laughs) up to the to the atmosphere and jumps out like what type of experience and then like just even doing surgery for the first time, just I always use the surgery analogy for some reason. Yeah, but like, what what are those? What type of fear are those people going through? You just go for it, right? The first time you're just like, all right, I guess I'm all in. <laughs> I don't know that I'm that brave. I don't know. I don't know that I act that way. I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe. So you're also a a, a flat faced dog owner. Can we talk sure. about? Can we talk about terriers? Yeah, man. Lex is also a terrier owner. He's not a Boston terrier owner. No, but no. What do you have? I have a Schnauzer and a Bichon. Yeah. What do you have? Boston and a Frenchie. Yeah. Flat face, crazy fucking dogs. I, my dog is so fucking batshit. Like I, I and I, I always want to talk to other Boston owners <laughs> about this thing. There's this moment in time that's like right after eating. Like there's this spot where all of a sudden they just turn into like a ghoulish fucking demon. <laughs> and he'll tuck his little ass under and just start running as fast as he can from right. one corner of the house. This is a Boston thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, totally. And if I don't stop him, he'll do it forever, I think. <laughs> yeah. Am I They're right? crazy. And they have so much energy. And mine's like that with the ball. If you show her the ball, it's you're done. Dude. Oh, dude, forget about it. 
Yeah. What about the crazy. Frenchie? Did the, the Frenchie has the uh, the laid back, I don't go fuck attitude. Dude, he's the, the way I explain him to everybody is he's beautiful and dumb as a rock. He couldn't be happier. <laughs> I think that might be the key to life. Right. <laughs> Lazy and fat and dumb. Dude, he is so happy. Fucking and farty mess. It's fucking beautiful. <laughs> so your Boston's getting old, huh? Yeah, I guess she's like eight-ish now. Yeah, my dude's like seven and a half. What kind? Yeah. What, what type of terrier you have? It's a Schnauzer. Yeah, and a Bichon. My my Bichon runs around like crazy, like same way your same way Pete does. It's a is, maybe it's a dog thing. Or I, do I think, think it's, it's a terrier a... thing, or I don't know. But um, we always have to hide our balls, like uh, Paul said. Like once Izzy finds a ball, the Bichon, yeah, he will never let you, never leave you alone. Yeah, fucking crazy ass dogs. Did you see? I posted this video. I don't know how how Facebook you are, but I posted this video the other day. Uh, that I think um, uh, Johnny Johnny Bergeron, the uh, uh, artist from Canada, he he posted this thing. Maybe maybe it wasn't him. Maybe it was somebody else. Uh, but anyway, so I was like trying to explain to Crystal about what uh, hallucinating is like, mm-hmm. like what taking acid is like. Oh yeah. And there's this optical illusion video thing. That if you watch it, it, it plays like this, uh, like psychedelic sort of like weird black and white spiral thing. Right. And in the middle is a bunch of letters that they tell you to like watch the letters and spell it out, like say the letters. But it's just to get you to look at the center of the right. screen. And you watch it for, I think it's maybe a minute and a half, two minutes. And you look away and it looks like the wall is spinning and melting. Like for 30 seconds, everything around you looks like you're like on uh a semi-decent mushroom trip. <laughs> like, Sweet, I, I'm going to search that out. <laughs> and it's, it's so funny. Like, uh, my girl came up and she's like, I bet you teenagers are, are like watching that over and over again, like trying to pretend like they're <laughs> high. And right. I was like, I was thinking about watching it over and over again. <laughs> so I must be a, a, a teenager interested in psychedelics again. I was just, I just did this, uh, this interview with the Union Tribune and I started talking about psychedelics with the fucking local newspaper. I don't know. <laughs> Are you taking a lot of psychedelics these days? Mike? I'm not anymore. No, but like at the, I guess, like the beginning of my 30s, I was experimenting again. Like I, I, I used them a lot as a teenager and like uh-huh. got crazy with them and then stopped. And then I was like, ah, oh, well, I should try it as an adult again. But now you can watch this little video and have, and it's kind of weird. Like it makes your body kind of feel the same too. Like it kind of fucks with your senses and makes. Right something elevated for a second and i maybe it's placebo effect that's i only did it once i want to try it again and see if it has <laughs> I'm gonna do that right sure now. buddy sure. yeah no seriously <laughs> it's, it's fucking pretty serious so um we had ryan de la haas la haas oh, yeah. on the show uh-huh. recently and he he had just he did the um pop-up store uh-huh. with you. you guys have been working together on some stuff and uh yeah i love that kid yeah he's rad he's doing a lot of cool stuff he's about to do a show up in um in portland and you got a show. You're in a show coming up this this Friday. It was I, it, last Friday. It was my first art show in years, man. How was that? That was really fun. It made me want to do some more. So we'll see how it goes. That's good to hear. Like that you don't totally walk away. No, not at all. I think I've got it. Like the uh, got the fire burning again. But I'd like to show outside of San Francisco. Like I'd really like to go to L.A. or something. Yeah, you, I, something going. I'd love to see that happen. It's been a while since I've seen a collection of your stuff together, but your work is always, I always see the stuff that you're making and I'm always interested in, um, I think the way you juxtapose things, there's always, and it's weird. I want to use the word tension. Like there's something, uh, that makes me almost feel a little bit uncomfortable Uh in the way, not in the imagery itself, but the way that you place imagery in certain contexts. Uh-huh. Is that something that you think about when you're making things? I don't, I don't know if anybody else has that reaction. or. I think some people do, and it's not intentional. It just happens. I guess it's just something in me. And these days, like I'm letting it out even more and more. And uh, you know, afterwards, some of it makes me uncomfortable. So. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, I'm loosening up and really enjoying it. Does having that break and, and just playing and having fun leave room for experimentation and to do different things? For sure. I mean, that's all I'm doing these days because for the past three or four years, like art shows were nothing on my radar. I've just been making tons of work just to make it. Like, 
and uh, putting it on one of the best art shows I think there is right now, which is the Instagram stuff, you know? Yeah, it's like, crazy, right? I love seeing everybody's stuff on there, man. It's definitely the best art show in SF. <laughs> That's so bad to hear, man. It was such a, a, a mecca of putting on good things. It's just Well, we're in a transition period here, you know? The, the town's changing. And, and it's not to say there's not any good stuff going on. Sure, yeah. Forget people like Ryan and Fecal Face and all that stuff. But, yeah, like, it's just, it feels different, you know? Yeah, I could see yeah. that. I, there seems to be uh, some people trying to make a resurgence here in San Diego, trying to mm-hmm. push some more stuff. But it seems so difficult. Like, It yeah. almost seems like all sales aspects of the art game exist in art fairs and online somewhere. Or right. po- phone calls that come in from some other fucking place. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how any of it works anymore. There's galleries here that are online only now. Like, There's no physical space. It's, it's it's a strange deal. Yeah, it's weird. It's made me start to think of um, exhibitions in a different way. Right. Like, okay, if if work is being sold online and it doesn't really matter, like what type of like I've been thinking about like trying to set up experiences instead of like art shows. Like if there's some way to like change what an art show and not even change like like in some sort of uh, revolutionary way, but like just for right. in terms of myself like do something different instead of like just showing paintings. I don't know what the fuck that is, but like there's definitely something that would be, I I would like to do. Right. Well, I think, and I just secured like a little gallery space here in SF. So I want to start showing other people here Mm -hmm. and I don't, you know, I don't have it figured out yet, but I got a a physical space and I don't know anything about the internet. So that's pretty rad. So I'll (laughs) take, (laughs) you know, old school flyers and just word of mouth style and then you know like here in sf there's a lot of the whole show is previewed before you ever before the opening and it just kind of loses some of the romanticism for me because i used to enjoy going and seeking it out and seeing what somebody nerded out on in their studio for the past year yeah and which is a lot now different I just click on it and see like that's not quite as fun yeah you get to see the imagery but you don't really I know for my work specifically that you don't get the same experience. My photographs suck balls Thank when it's like <laughs> they're no good, and you don't get nearly the detail or the like sense of of scale or you know like right. there's a lot of things that you miss by not seeing them in person. Yeah. But on the other hand, I also know from my own experience that art shows also usually suck balls. And it's a bunch of people standing too close together that I'm going to have fucking like weird, awkward conversations with most of the time for an uncomfortable amount of time. And I'm going to drink some shitty beer and wine and get bad breath. (laughs) Well, maybe it's because I haven't been to one so long, but I really liked all that stuff last Friday night. I know. That's what I'm thinking that like maybe there's a jaded period almost where you're just like, oh, enough already. Yeah, and then yeah. when you're when you're away from because I haven't I haven't been to a show in quite a while either, um, I, I guess I my own shows, but beyond that, like right. I, I would ra- much rather go to a gallery when it's empty and quiet and uh, a girl behind the desk that doesn't want to talk to me anyway just leaves me alone and I could just look at the show. Sure. Like I, I like to experience art in that way. I don't do it nearly enough, but uh, you, people are missing out. Uh, on that if if they're only experiencing the online version but this uh yeah. art basel is coming up this week which i'm sad to say i don't think i'm going to this year oh bummer it's just a damn shame it's a f- have you ever gone down for that i went once i'd love to go again it's so Man, fun so crazy so much yeah. going on it's I, a whole it's like hollywood for art it's weird it's a very and it beyond the art fairs like i say it in like a generalization of the entire thing but it's like the after hour shit like the after party things <laughs> like the artists on the corners just all of a sudden meeting up and yeah hanging out speaking of psychedelics it's like that whole trip there is like natural psychedelics right because it's all so weirdly juxtaposed together yeah you're right it, it, it turns into like and i I've been talking about how I love Miami, but I only know it in that context. <laughs> right. So I have no idea how terrible it is when it's not that like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory extravaganza right. of a of a week. All my buddies from Canada are down there right now, and they're all posting on the Instagram. So maybe I could just live through Instagram 
There week. you go. See, technology is good. No, that's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> there, I, really, I just want to go and, and eat soup in the little Cuban restaurant that's right down the street from where we always painted at. That's all I've really been thinking about this week. Not even I don't even care about the stupid fares. You just want soup. <laughs> just, just some good Cuban soup. If anyone in San Diego knows a good Cuban soup place, there's this this spot. Make this little old lady makes the best goddamn soup, and. I've like Googled it, tried to find the exact name. There's a whole bunch of different names and it comes from a whole, like a whole different group of countries all make the same soup. And I've tried to find Cuban restaurants that have it. And there's always like a few ingredients that aren't there. Right. So I just need to go to fucking, it's right there in like the edge of the Wynwood district. It's fucking fantastic. Shout out! I don't even I don't even know if it has a name. I never even had that soup before. <laughs> Look at you're salivating right now. I can see. I know. It. <laughs> <For real. laughs> so, um, if people want to get tattooed from you, is that can we can we send people your way? Is that a possibility? Can we give out your information? And sure, I guess I don't have that much information. Um, you know, you can see what I'm doing. I guess on Instagram, that's the only website thing I have. Instagrammer. And, uh, we just blanked out. I can't hear you. I think it's because I talked over you. Uh, Sorry. No worries. Um, so on Instagram, I'm nowhere, nowheresville SF. And, um, and that's about it, man. People can get some tattoos, though, if they want to? For sure. You okay. just got to hit me up. Nice. And uh, is, uh, is the show still up? The show that just happened last week? I guess it's probably be up for a few weeks. Hopefully this yeah, will be up, up by then. it's up for a month or so. Where was, where was that at? That's at Southern Exposure at 20th and Alabama, I think, in the Mission District. Nice. And so are you going to try to plan for anything new? You got any prospects? I have no plans. We'll see what happens, man. I'm, I'm, putting, my, I'm putting it back out in the universe that I show again. So we'll see what happens. Nice. That's the best way to do it. Actually, yeah. it, it's funny you say that. Uh, I had PJ Fiddler on the show a long time ago. I and, love that guy's uh, stuff. He was sort of going through this phase where he kind of like stopped painting to work on some stuff. He built his family, which is right. something you've done over the last yep. 10, 5 years. Uh-huh. Uh, also build a family. So that ends up taking a, a good chunk of your your real life time as well, right? Oh, for sure, man. That's a full-time job right there. Yeah. And so now I'm starting, he, he had said the same thing, like, I'm just putting it out there in the universe. I'm ready to do some shows again. <laughs> right. And I just started seeing a couple flyers of some stuff that he's doing now. So Sweet. I don't think it has anything to do with the podcast, but I would say that just putting it out there, maybe. I'll put it out there, too. I'm, I'm down to do some shows, too. What are you down to do, Lex? It's the end of the year. (laughs) Put it out there, Mike. (laughs) Just put it in the universe. I wouldn't mind 250 million. Actually, I'm going to buy it. There's a lottery today, 200 million. I'm going to go bet $1 on 200 million. But if you ever want to come show an SF, I got a spot, Mike. Yes, I do. When do you want to do that? Tomorrow? Uh, Tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, not, not tomorrow, but. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely down. Let's talk though. I'd be super into that. Yeah, I'd love it. I haven't been up to the city in at least I think it's been like three years. Uh huh. It's been a minute, and I've been thinking about it quite a bit. It's uh, it's on the list of things to do. So I'm down whenever whenever you think would be. So good. you put it out in the universe. Look See? how that works. Yeah. Already done. Boom. All right, Paul. I want to um, thank you again for taking the time to shoot the shit with us. I appreciate thank it. Thank you, man. It's good to get to get to talk to you again, and uh, I'm excited to see where. Um, where the art shows back up again. I'm psyched. Yeah. Let's do Thanks, internet man. dap. Boom. Bam. Thanks, buddy. Have a good day. <laughs> Shock a thumbs up. <laughs> Later. To live and die in LA, where every day we try to fatten our pockets. Us niggas hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury niggas close to heart. What was a friend now a ghost in the dark? Cold part about it, nigga got smoked by a fiend. Trying to floss on him, blind to a broken man's dream. A hard lesson, court cases keep him guessing. Bargain ain't an option now, so I'm stressing. Cost me more to be free than a life in the pen. Making money off of cuss words, writing again. Learn how to think ahead, so I fight with my pen. Late night down, sunset, like in the sin. What's the worst they can do to a nigga? Got me lost in hell to live and die in LA. On bills, my angels.
South Central LA Can't get no stranger Full of drama like a soap opera On the curb watching the kettle bird helicopters I observe so many niggas getting three strikes Off from jail I swear to being right across from hell I can't cry cause it's home now I'm just a nigga on his own now Living life thug staff So I can't smile right into my peoples When they ask for pictures Thinking Cali just fun and bitches <laughs> Better learn about the dress code B's and C's All the mother niggas copycats These is G's I love Cali like I love women Cause every nigga in LA Got a little bit of thug in him We might fight amongst each other But I promise you this We'll burn this bitch down Get us pissed To live and die in LA Let my angel sing Time flop to live and die in LA. Drink. Right. 